Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. adventure through the book of Psalms. Somebody say Psalms. And uh, I know there is a lot of books in the, or chapters in the books of, of Psalms, so we're not going to read them all, but we want to take these next six or seven weeks and kind of highlight some of them. We're going to kind of pick some of these messages through some of these great chapters of, of the book of Psalms. And we're going to start in Psalm 34. And we're only going to read one today, don't worry. And I know it's a lot, so I'm going to open up with just the first seven verses, and then we'll kind of dive through a little bit more of it. David actually does not write all of the Psalms, if you didn't know that. You're like, I thought he did, but no, he didn't. He wrote about 73, at least that's what we find. And then Moses even wrote one. Isn't that crazy? Moses. Even the guy back in the old, you know, the beginning of the book. Yeah, Moses wrote one. But in Psalm 34, here here we find, and I don't know about you, but my psalm has a little, uh, in my Bible, has got a little, like, preface of Psalm 34. It prefaces by saying that this is of David, where he pretended to be insane before Abimelech. Abimelech, just another title for the king at the time who drove him away and he left. Look at verse one. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us all exalt his name together. Now you have to understand, in this moment, David is fearing for his life from King Saul. He is afraid. And yet these are his words. I sought the Lord in verse four, and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my what? Fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his what? Troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers him. You know, my wife told me this morning that she had to get up two times because my oldest son had bad dreams. Anybody have bad dreams still? You wake up, you're still afraid. Anybody afraid of the monsters under their bed? So I read a story about a 50-year-old man who was afraid of monsters under his bed. True story. And he sought some therapy, so he went to a therapist and who was like a psychoanalyst, whatever that means these days, you know? And uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't find any improvement in his fear of monsters under his bed. 50 years old, really? And so he, like we all do, Google and we find a new therapist and that's what he did and one day he was out at the store and his old therapist was like noticed how just well rested this man was how excited this man was how energetic this man was and he came to him and he said what happened for years I tried to work with you you seem to be alive and he said I'm no longer afraid he said I'm no longer afraid of the monsters under my bed and his old therapist said what did you do he said oh I got a new therapist and they're a behaviorist and he said well, what did he tell you to do He said, easy. He told me to cut the legs off my bed. And there's no longer any monsters under my bed because there is no under the bed. Man, that's just one way to respond to things. Now, I wouldn't advise you to go and cut the legs off your bed, especially if you have kids, because, man, I paid for that bed, so please don't do that. And that's like extra storage under there. I shove things under there that I never know that is under there until I find it when we move. And I'm like, that's where that was. So how do you respond to fear? What's your response? What do you do? Where do you go? What do you cut off? Can I ask you a little bit of a deeper question in regards to fear? How much do you love God? And how much do you think 
God loves you. Because 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love. There is fear in this season. There is fear all around your neighborhood right now. Every, every show you turn on, every movie that's on, they wanna instill fear because it's the season. I've got people in my neighborhood, I've got streets not far from me that have Halloween decorations up that I have to tell my kids to close their eyes. If these people put that much work into sharing their faith as they did with instilling fear, man, there would be revival among some of our neighbors. I mean, what'd you even buy that thing? How much did that cost? But perfect love, the scripture says, perfect love casts out all fear. So I wanna look through Psalm 34. I'm gonna break it down a little bit, but it's gonna be really important to go to the context of why it was written. Because David gets to this point where he says, this is a song of deliverance right here. This is a song of no longer being bondaged by fear. This is a song of praise. And so if you're taking down notes this morning, write down the title, Fighting Fear with Praise. Fighting Fear with Praise. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for everyone in this room. We thank you for your word that does not return void. God, I pray that you would continue to use it to shape us and challenge us. We love you so, so much. In Jesus' name, everybody say one more time. Amen. Amen. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Now, I made it very clear what I'm afraid of, and I've told you story after story. I've been afraid of lizards, that which I'm no longer afraid of anymore. Except those curly-tailed lizards. Like, what are those things doing around? I've been afraid of drowning. I've been afraid of being eaten alive by insects. I don't know if that's you, but that's me. Anybody afraid of being eaten alive? I mean, like, what are you thinking, Jacob? But that's what, I'm a, that's what I've been afraid of, and that's what I'm afraid of. What are you afraid of? You know, an elementary teacher asked her kids this in, in, in kindergarten. She said, what are you afraid of? And little Timmy said, I'm afraid of snakes. And little Emily said, I'm afraid of sharks. And Stanley said, I'm afraid of the unbelievable senselessness of life and dying a terrible death one day in my sleep. <laughs> Stanley and the teacher wide-eyed looked over to the next student and said what are you afraid of and she said Stanley <laughs> what do you what do you fear can we talk about fear for for um for a little bit um and in order to understand what Psalm 34 is talking about we have to go back to the context and so to do so we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 21 if you got your Bibles I've got two tabs so I've got one in Psalm 34 and I'm going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 21 because here's what's happening in Psalm, in Psalm 34. David is responding in such a way that is praise. He is fighting his fears with praise. But that's not how he initially responded to fear. There was a moment where he doubted. There was a moment where he questioned, like us all, because fear is something that naturally happens, and a lot of us have a natural response to fear. And it's not always God-honoring. But the, the hope for us as believers is to shorten that gap of when we doubt, when we're afraid, and when we believe. But David has a moment where he struggles, and then there's a moment where he believes. And so let me give you some context of 1 Samuel chapter 21. David is a fugitive from King Saul. Saul was in the position that David was promised. Remember, David was appointed, but there was an anointing that was going to come. There was the seat that was going to come, but it wasn't yet. And so, so David was doing great things. He killed a Goliath. He killed a giant. And now people are worshiping David. David has slain his 10,000s while Saul has only slain his thousands. Now this would make somebody rightfully angry and jealous. And so David is on the run for his life. And he finds himself fleeing to a city of Gath. Look at verse 10 with me. 
It says, that day David fled from Saul and he went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one that they sang about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Verse 12 says, David took these words to heart and he was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So, so what's happening here? David has replaced his faith in God with now his fear of Saul. He has elevated this, this fear of Saul and he has temporarily dismissed his faith in God. And you know what happens when we replace faith with fear? We are no longer walking inside the will of God. In fact, we are now walking in disobedience because Jesus said it in Matthew 10, 28. He said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body. Man, many of us, we are afraid of those who can kill our body but rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body and in hell. So you have feared that which can kill you, but you should have been fearing that which can kill what's within you. But many of us, we don't even know we're doing this, replacing our faith with fear. Have you replaced faith in God with fear in politics? Have you re replaced faith in God with fear of diseases? Have you replaced faith in God with fear of thinking that you're gonna live alone for the rest of your life? Have you replaced faith in God with fear of dying, fear of bankruptcy? You know, many parents have always said, man, I just do not want my kids to grow up in this world. You know, the problem is your parents said the same thing and their parents said the same thing. You see, there has always been fear. It may look a little bit different, but it's still fear. The fight may look a little bit different 100 years ago, but there's still a fight, amen? So there's still something happening. And as soon as we replace what's happening, what we see with what we really know, then we're no longer governed by the things of God, but we've allowed fear to dictate how we respond. And let's be honest, when we're fearful, we do some pretty stupid things. Can I get an amen? We go to some pretty stupid places. Can I say that word on stage? I'm so sorry, I apologize. But we do some crazy things. When fear starts to dictate our lives, fear starts to govern our lives, let me give you just two quick things. Fear number one, it'll cause you to go where you should never go. This is what David does. I mean, go back to the garden, Adam and Eve, they're afraid and they hide. Look at uh, Moses, who kills an Egyptian to protect one of his, his people. And what does he do? He's afraid that he's gonna die. And so where does he run? He runs to the desert. Look at Elijah, who defeats all the prophets on Baal on Mount Carmel. But what happens? The king's wife named Jezebel says, I'm going to kill this man. This man is going to be dead by tomorrow. And what does Elijah do? He runs. He goes to a cave. What about Jonah? He's afraid of the mercies of God. And so he hops on a boat and he flees and he runs. And then, he, then he's swallowed up by a fish. Where are you going when you are afraid? Where do you turn to? Because to be honest, some of the places that you find yourself in, God didn't put you there. You put yourself there. You did that. God, why am I here? God said, you had a hundred other places you can go to, but you chose the one place that I didn't want you to go to. Now, what's crazy is certainly God could do anything and everything in those moments, right? God is meeting us there. God is with Jonah. God is with, with, with Elijah. But I just wonder how much hardship we could avoid if we turn to the right things. I wonder how much pain we could avoid. Hardship, torment, if we just turned to the right places. Because David, who's being chased by Saul, 
He, he knew the seat that was promised to him, but he feared. And where did he go? He went to Gath, which, by the way, Gath was a Philistine city. And what are the Philistines? Philistines were the enemy of the Israelites. And remember in 1 Samuel 17, David defeats a Goliath named, you know, a giant named Goliath. Who was the commander of the Philistine army? Goliath. David, who holds Goliath's sword, decides that it would be best to flee to Goliath's hometown. David, I'm not, I'm not so sure how well you're going to be received there. I'm not so sure how, how, how liked you're going to be because uh, that, that, may not, that may not work out. David, really? That's where you're going to go? My own people can't seem to protect me, so let me see if I can find some comfort in my enemy. That's like seeking refuge in a town where you're wanted, right? That's like, you know, God spared me from, from the gangs in the, in, in the urban city, and I, and I used to, I used now my faith, and, and, I, and I communicated with the police, and I turned some of those bad guys in, those thugs in, but now nobody in the church gets me. God doesn't seem to be working for me, so I'm going to go back to those places and find some comfort and find some counseling. I'm not really sure that's where you want to go. I'm not sure that's where you want to hide. I'm not sure how well-received you're going to be because you're still wanted. And so, but this is where David finds him. This is where David says, I've got to go and I've got to hide. Well, I'm not sure your enemy is going to keep a secret. Imagine Saul and his army come showing up. Hey, do you know where David is? David, the guy that you're trying to kill, the guy that we're trying to kill? Well, we don't know. We don't know where he's at. But he, but he flees and he goes to a place where he should have never gone because that's what fear does. We don't think a lot. We don't weigh the options. We just respond immediately. And oftentimes it's not by faith, it's by fear. And so we find ourselves going to places we shouldn't go. But here's the second thing. We do things that we should never do. Fear will cause us to do things. Look at verse 13 in 1 Samuel 21. He says he, he pretended to be insane in the presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. What, what is happening? Akish, the king, said to his servants, look at this man, he's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of a madman that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? I'm, I mean, what is he doing? He's, he's responding, he's panicking. He's fearful of his life. He's pretending to be crazy. He's banging his head on the wall. He's, he's foaming from the mouth. What's going on? Well, here's what's happening. He's no longer controlled by faith. He's not controlled by fear. And fear gets us to do some pretty crazy things. I mean, look at Jonah. What did Jonah do? It got him to a point where he said, you know what? Throw me off this boat so I can die. Elijah, what does he tell God in that cave? God, it'd be better for me to die than to live. Take me now. Remember Abraham, who had many sons and had many sons? <laughs> Abraham, Father Abraham, come on, somebody, you know that song. <laughs> Do you know that there was a point in Abraham's life, just think how crazy this sounds, where he was near and camped near a king, and he said to his wife named Sarah, he said, Sarah, if anybody from the, the king's place or the king comes and, and talks to us, let them know that I am your brother and you are my sister. What? My wife would never buy that, ever. But he was so fearful that the king, who his wife was very beautiful, would come in and kill Abraham and take his wife, that he said, just, let's, just, let's just tell him that we're, we're related and that you're my sister and I'm your brother. And the king actually encounters them and says, whoa, who's this woman? And Abraham says, that's my sister. And so the king takes it, 
Sarah to be one of his wives. Now, God steps in and intervenes and says to the king, don't do this because this is another man's wife. So now the king is mad at Abraham. Yet Abraham started off a lie because he was so fearful. He said, he said, I'm so afraid that I'm going to die. I'm willing to do something that I should probably never do. The places we go, the things that we do, you never consider stepping on top of your couch until you saw that cockroach run across that floor. You'd never consider jumping out of a moving car until you saw that spider making its way down to your dashboard while you're driving on the highway. You never thought that you'd finish all those bottles in your fridge until you saw all those bills stacked up on your counter. You never thought you'd cuss until you woke up in the middle of the night and you're going to the restroom and you see your five-year-old kid standing in the dark in the hallway just looking at you. <laughs> the things that we do, the things that we say, as soon as fear presents itself, we have a natural tendency to run to places we shouldn't be running to and to do the things that we never should do. You know, about a month or so ago, I told you about a commercial that I absolutely despised. I hated it. It was the worst commercial ever. It was farmersonly.com. It was just an awful representation of farmers. Whether you've met on that website, I'm not here to judge, but it was, just a, it was a horrible representation of farmers. Now, there's another commercial that I want to show you that just is amazing. By the way, it's a Geico commercial, and I don't sponsor, I'm not sponsored by Geico, nor am I saying you should switch to Geico because they just raised the bar rates a little bit, and I'm looking for a new uh, insurance company right now. But this commercial is so funny. Um, Sean, I think we got it. Go ahead and cue it. Watch it, watch it with me. Let's hide in the attic. No, in the basement. Why can't we just get in the running car? Are you crazy? Let's hide behind the chainsaws. Smart. Okay, yeah, okay. If you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. That's what you do. This is a good idea. I'm being quiet. Breathing on if you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, you switch to Geico. It's what you do. Head to the cemetery. That was what they said at last. Head to the cemetery. Run to the cornfields. If you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. That is just what you do. And I just wonder how many of us can relate the decisions we've made, the things that we've done, the things that we've said, weren't based out of faith, but they were based out of fear. Head for the seminary. Fear will cause you to flee right back to the dark places you left. Fear will cause you to go to the places and the things that you never thought you'd go back to. And then at some point, the places you go for comfort, at some point, the enemy that which God saved you from and you crawled right back to, at some point, they don't even want you anymore. Because how many of the enemy will spit you, will chew you up, and they will spit you out? They don't want you. It's like, well, I thought I'd be welcomed there. I thought the homies that I used to do drugs with would want me. They don't even want you. I thought the girls or guys I used to sleep with would consider me. No, they don't even consider you anymore. I mean, you're at a very low place. You're at a dark cave. You're at a moment where you're fearful for your life. It doesn't seem like there's any hope. Nobody wants you. My family has disowned me. My kids have abandoned me. I have nothing to show for. My bank account is depleted from the substances I buy that help numb the pain that I feel. I'm hopeless, I'm so afraid, it's so dark, nobody would even care if I ended my life today. Can I, can I fast forward in Psalm 34, verse 18? Because David says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. 
It says, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Come on, how many you know that God specializes in making broken things beautiful? Can I read you a couple other Psalms? Psalm 91, verse 1. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. God cares about you. God loves you. He says in Isaiah 43, do not fear, for I, the Lord, have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Come on, some of you need to receive this this morning. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God. He says, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. How many could use a savior today? You could use a savior in your situation. You could use a savior in your dark moments. Can I tell you, church, there's hope. There's hope. Keep, keep, keep praying. Keep looking. Keep seeking. God sent his son named Jesus to die on a cross for you. Keep praying and don't ever stop believing. Some of you have been bondaged by fear for so long, but today is the day. Come on, today is the day that you are freed from what you, you have been enslaved to. Today is the day, sure, fear is unavoidable, but today is the day you're gonna be freed from allowing it to dictate what you do next. It can't let it lead you to poor responses. It can't let it lead you to places you shouldn't go to. It can't let it lead you to do things or to question things that you should have never been questioning. So what happens with David? Because if you, go to, if you go to chapter 22, it says that he, he was crazy, and then he left Gath, and he escaped to a cave of Adullam. This is verse 1 in 1 Samuel 22. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. And here's where he pens Psalm 34. Here's where he writes this psalm of deliverance, this psalm of praise in the middle of fear. And can I tell you, this is why it's so important when you read the scripture to understand the context. Because it's one thing to know somebody's story and it's one thing to hear their song, but then when you step into the pain that they felt while they wrote it, it just changes everything, right? When you start to understand the persecution that they experienced, you know, I, I can say the same words you said, but the fact that you went through what you went through, I've got so much more respect for you. I have a greater appreciation for you because I know what happened. I don't just see it, but I saw what you went through. Greater, there is a greater glory because I now have a greater understanding. There is a greater reward because now I understand the pain and what you went through. I, I get it now. It makes sense. Despite what David faced, what was his response? It wasn't fear, but it was faith. Go back to me with those moments where you chose to fear, where you chose to run, where you chose to be afraid. Think about how the outcome could have changed if you chose to respond differently. Think about how, how the direction of your life could have changed if you didn't doubt. Think about how the direction of your life could have changed if you didn't fear, if you didn't buy into what everybody was selling. Think about what would look different in your life. Think about what would look different in your finances. Think about what would look different in your children. Think about what would look different in your marriage if you didn't allow fear to dictate some of the decisions you made. But there's good news, amen? There is forgiveness. God can, come on, turn it around. God can restore. God can fix. God can heal. But you've got to step into it. It's there. He's offering it. And you've got to choose to say and to sing something differently. So here's where we get to Psalm 34. 
And what I want to do is I want you to think about the moments that are coming that fear will present itself. I want you to think about weeks from now, months from now, years from now. When fear presents itself, here's what I want you to do, and here's what I want you to be able to say. Let me give you three things, and we'll break down Psalm 34, and then we'll pray. Number one, when I should have feared, I chose to magnify the Lord. Look at verse one of Psalm 34. So go back with me there. Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify, other translations say, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I heard somebody say, it's magnetic to magnify the Lord. It's magnetic. It, it's attractional. When I see somebody on fire for God, when I see somebody praising God, I'm like, man, I, I'm all in too. You, you, you ever been at a place where somebody's like, I'm going to give all my resources away. And you're like, if I had any, I'd do it as well. I'm in, you know, let's go. You're going overseas. I want to go overseas. I'm all in because I'm, because I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by, by faith, by great faith. I'm inspired by a, a great lifestyle. That's what I'm attracted to. And some of you, that's what you need to be attracted to. Man, I want to find great women of faith. I want to find great men of faith. And that's what I want to be like. I want to do what they do because you know that what they're doing is what God has called them to do. And so I'm, I'm inspired by that. When somebody magnifies the Lord, it, all that means is just to make God bigger. Now, can we actually make God bigger? No, but I want you to dig a little bit deeper into your perception because your perception is your reality. And so in my perception, I can make God bigger bigger and when I make God bigger what seems to be smaller is everything else we've got too many people who are walking around telling God how big my fears are when we need some believers to stand up and tell your fear how big God is change come on somebody say change change how you think change how you see change your perception Stop walking around saying, God, I'm, there's so much of this, there's so much of that, there's so much of this. God's like, come on, there's so much of me. And you can, have, you can never have enough. There's so much of me. Magnify him in your situation. Magnify him in your circumstance. Make God big. Paul writes in Colossians 1, he says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And so I'm not asking God to now step into my mess. God, my mess is already in God's hands. I'm not asking God to show up when I get into a cave and God, would you just meet me here? God is already there. Choose how you see him. Not that, God, you're always so far from me. No, God, you are always with me. And you are big and you are greater. David wasn't like, I ran into a cave and I found God. David was already, uh, God was already in the cave, but he chose to magnify God in the middle of the cave. When he should have feared, he chose to magnify. When I should have feared, I chose to magnify the Lord. Here's the second one. When I should have feared, I chose to seek the Lord. It says in verse four, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Verse 5, those who look to him are radiant. They're, they're glowing. Their faces are never covered with shame. There's just something um, that is attractive about them because they're no longer allowing fear to dictate who they are, how they respond, but, but they're seeking. They're saying, God, I, I could look here, I could look there, but here's where I'm going to look, right here. I'm going to look to you. Some of you know this. Man, you, you, were, you were ready to show up to that bar, but you decided to knock on the doors of the church. 
You decided to leave everything, but you decided to walk right back to your house and handle things with your spouse. You knew what you should have picked up, and it was there, and you were willing to drink it all. You were willing to pop them all. But then in the corner of your eye, you noticed that there was a Bible there. And you decided, you know what? Let me just try this and see if it worked. And it did. It changed you. And you know some people in your life that it changed them as well because they decided to say, you know what? I'm no longer going to seek the things that aren't going to satisfy me, but I'm going to seek the one who can. And so David looked and he sought and something begins to happen when we change how we see. Not of unbelief, not of lack of faith, but with faith. Look at verse six. It says the poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of his troubles. Look at verse eight. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge. And then look at verse 10. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come on, how many of you want to lack not one good thing? Now, what does that mean? Because I read this scripture and I notice that not only is God saving us, but God is satisfying us. God is satisfying us. You know, Wearsby said, it means knowing him better and enjoying him more. Can I say something about the faith that you're walking in, the faith that I'm walking in? It's not all about receiving. It's not all about getting. Man, I didn't sign up for this to all of a sudden be prosperous in my finances. I didn't sign up to this to have now the greatest friends or the greatest job. Now, that can be a product of faith, sure. Scripture talks about blessings. Scripture talks about God wanting to give. Scripture talks about God is going to take care of you. God loves you. He wants to direct your steps. So, yeah, some of that is going to come. But some of you have been in the faith for 50-plus years, and the material possessions you have not received. So, so what do you mean, God? Where are the blessings? No, the blessing is in just being satisfied and having an enjoyment with Christ. That's where it's at. Some of you haven't received all that you wanted to over the past 50 years, but over the past 50 years, you have enjoyed walking with Christ. Over the past 20 years, maybe some of you are new believers today, and all the, the torment that you experienced years ago, you don't experience anymore. Do you have more? No. In fact, your bank account is less than what it was when you were walking in the world. But you don't care, because the enjoyment that you have with Jesus is far greater than anything else. That's what happens when we seek him. God is saying, I'm here to save you, but I'm also here to satisfy you. Would you let God satisfy you today? Stop looking, stop seeking for more. Seek for more of his presence. Find more time, that's it. And watch what God begins to do in you. Watch what he begins to do through you. Psalm 84:10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, then dwell in the tents of the wicked. Wow. God, I want to be satisfied by you. Lord, I want, to, I want to have a life that I experience enjoyment with you. But here's the third one, because we want to magnify God in the middle of our fear. We want to seek God in the middle of our fear, but we also want to fear the right thing because there is an accurate fear. There is a right fear. David says in, in verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. So here's the third one. When I should have feared that which was around me, I chose to fear he who was within me. 
Well, so what do you mean? You just said we shouldn't fear. No, there is an accurate fear. There is a right fear. There is a godly fear. He says in verse nine, fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him, again, here it is, lack nothing. Here's, this, here's the satisfying part. Here's the enjoyment part. Those who fear him lack nothing. Verse 11, come my children, listen to me. I will teach you how to fear the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? You know, to the unbeliever, it's fear of eternal separation for, from God. It's this idea of spending eternity in hell. But when you're a believer, there's this reverence. There's this, there's this respect. There's this Hebrews 12 says, to be thankful, to worship God with reverence and awe. For our God is a God who is a consuming fire. So now as a believer, I don't, fear the, I don't fear God as if he's gonna punish me and chastise me and kick me out into hell for the rest of my life. No, I fear God in such a way because I understand. I understand. Remember Proverbs 1.7 says that the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom is what? Fear the Lord. So now I understand that God um, hates sin. And I understand the consequences of that sin. And I understand the mercies of God and I understand the grace of God. And so my perception has changed. I don't fear God because he's gonna send me to hell. I fear God because he doesn't want that. He doesn't desire that for me. He doesn't want his children to be separated from him from, for eternity. He wants you to step into a relationship with him. And so I, I fear him. I understand the position that he takes on on sin. I understand that he hates it. I understand there's a judgment for it. So I have a respect for God. You know, I never liked when my dad or mom would discipline me. I hated it. In fact, my dad used to always say, this hurts me way more than it hurts you. And I was like, that is a load of, you know, to use one of my dad's words, baloney. So I never understood discipline. I never understood you know, judgment. I never understood that as a, as a kid until I had my own kids. And here I am looking at my son, looking at my two and a half year old the other day. Well, I was like, I'm about to cast a demon out of my household right now. Jesus name, what's going on? I'm working on it. God's working on me as a father. Okay. My wife is way better at, at being a parent than I am. She's, she's amazing. But I'm looking at my two and a half year old son and I'm like, God, how do I do this? How do I how do I punish him? And I, in my spirit, I, I felt the Lord saying, no, you're not here to punish, but you're here to correct perspective. Perception is reality. Every time my kids disappoint us, what do I do? I'll throw them out outside, kick them out of the house, send them to boot camp. The Band of Brothers boot camp is where you should send them. That's a really good boot camp, which we're going to in November. That's a great place. But kick them out of the house. I know some of you have kids and, and you're older now and maybe you've done that to them. Maybe they needed it, you know? <laughs> that was a loud yeah from somebody in the audience. Yes, finally, pastor. Sure, my kids need it. But what they need is somebody to get on their, their knees and say, I'm here for you. I love you. And I have a plan for you and a purpose for you. And I know you're scared and I know you're hopeless and I know you don't know what to do, but I'm here for you and I can help you and I can do what you can't do. That's how Jesus is. 
That's how being a father is. Those are some of the moments. I wasn't even gonna share this, but I took my son. Literally, I was like, what do I do? You know, the, the doctors say, don't ever shake your child. Like, Why would you say that? Until this moment. And so I took him out and I set him on my truck and we were just sitting there and we're, he was screaming bloody murder. And we just, I was like, look at that, look at that, look at that. And we were just, I was trying to distract him. I'm like, how many hands do you have? And we counted his hands and he just counted his hands. I'm like, Jesus, I'm sitting there with my hands on his head and I'm praying. I'm saying, Father, help this child, help him, Father, just be in him, work in him, change him, save him, convict. I mean, don't convict him, just shape him. You know, I'm just, I'm just praying. But that's all I did. I just sought the Lord. I wanted to just put him in the back of my truck and then go back inside, but I, I couldn't do that because I lived near the road and what if he hopped out or something? So I just sat there with him and I prayed. We sought the Lord. He didn't know it, but I was seeking the Lord on his behalf. Parents, that is a lot of what you do. You seek the Lord on the behalf of your children. Don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop calling. Don't ever stop reaching. Don't ever stop responding because nobody might, and you might be the only one. If you're a boss in this place, don't ever stop sharing your faith with your, your workers, your employees. Don't ever stop because nobody might step into that. And you might be the only one in the middle of people being governed by fear. You could, you could help be a part of the solution to say, you know what? Together, we're going to seek the Lord, but together we're going to have an accurate fear of who God is. And there is judgment, but there is grace. And so my, my son, he... He just like forgot it all. And I said, you need to go to your mom and give her a big hug. And he ran into the house and he's got long hair and his hair's like blown. He's just, he run into his mom and he just like hits us in like the stomach with his head. I'm like, dude, chill. But he just was like, I'm sorry. Whether he really knows it or means it, what I got to see in that little moment of being a dad was the goodness of God and the grace of God that says, you know what? I know what you deserve, but here's what I wanna give you. And that's what David received. You know, we've talked about David. We, we did a series on David months ago and we looked at all the, the terrible things that he did and the terrible actions that he had. But there was certainly a respect for God. There was certainly a reverence for God. Can I just, I'll just read these last five verses and I'll pray. Whoever of you, this is verse 12, because he says, let me teach you how to fear the Lord. Whoever of you loves life, and desires to see many good days. Come on, how many desire to see many good days? If you're a parent in here, you wanna see many good days. If you're a grandparent in here, you wanna see many good days. If you don't have any kids, you still wanna see many good days. It says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. That's interesting because God listens when we speak. It's like, God, what are you doing up there? I've been praying this prayer for a very long time and God's like, I'm listening. I just wanna see how faithful and consistent you'll pray. Oh, I'm listening. God is listening. His ear is attentive to our cries, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. We can't allow fear to win, church. We can't allow fear to dictate what we do and how we respond. We have to change how we see things, how we view things, our perspective. Sure, I can, I can be afraid because that's a natural instinct for many of us. It's just like, oh my gosh, I just saw something. Now I'm fearful. But it's that split second, which believers, I hope for you is a split second. It's not a minute. It's not 10 minutes. It's not 10 years, but it's a split second where I recognize, you know what? Fear will no longer have a grip on me. Fear will no longer have a hold on me because it's really about how I see. 
because God is saying, greater is he that is in you, Jacob, than he that is in the world. Come on, greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in you. Fear doesn't have a chance. Fear doesn't have a grip on me no more. I'm no longer bondaged by it. I'm no longer enslaved to it. I will not let it dictate where I go. I won't let it dictate what I do. And I won't let it dictate what I believe because God is still God and God is still on the throne. Come on, if you believe that, would you stand to your feet? Church, this, this is how we fight. By, by, come on, declaring the truths of God's word. By singing songs of praise. Singing songs of deliverance. In fact, if you can, I know we ask you this a lot, but in an act of surrender, come on, would you just lift your hands just like this? And this is how we fight. Come on, this is how we fight. This is how we fight our fears. This is how we fight our battles. Come on, this is it. This is how I fight, God. Come on, this is how I fight, Jesus, fully surrendered. This is how I fight him, God. I'm going to keep singing. I'm going to keep worshiping. And I'm going to keep praising your name. But I magnify you. I seek you. I have a fear for you. Even when I'm surrounded by everything around me that tells me to fear, God, I am surrounded by you. Come on, would you just declare this this morning? Believe it. Believe it. Come on. It looks like I'm surrounded by the enemy. It looks like I'm entrapped by the Philistine army. But God is good. And greater is the one who is in me in the middle of this cave than the enemy that is around me. I'm surrounded by you, Father. Come on, I'm surrounded. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.